Hey y'all, welcome back as we continue our journey through the book of First Samuel and we're going to continue with chapter 13 verse 1 and they were warned about there being a king and told us like yeah this wasn't God's plan but as long as you cling to God it'll be okay he'll work around this and then we move on to verse 1 of chapter 13. Saul was 30 years old when he became king and he reigned for 42 years. Saul selected 3,000 special troops from the army of Israel and sent the rest of the men home. He took 2,000 of the chosen men with him to Michmash in the hill country of Bethel. The other 1,000 went with Saul's son, Jonathan, to Gibeah in the land of Benjamin. Soon after this, Jonathan attacked and defeated the garrison of the Philistines at Geba. The news spread quickly among the Philistines. So Saul blew the ram's horn throughout the land, saying, Hebrews, hear this, rise up in revolt. All Israel heard the news that Saul had destroyed the Philistine garrison at Geba and that the Philistines now hated the Israelites more than ever. So the entire Israelite army was summoned to join Saul at Gilgal. So a couple of things here. We, we can see that Jonathan's on the scene. Saul's son is Jonathan. And we can see he's obviously a feisty fighter. And Jonathan won this, this battle. He, he won and had victory, but it was Saul who took credit. So, cause we see that, um, all Israel heard the news that Saul had destroyed the Philistine garrison, but we know that it was really Jonathan that destroyed the Philistine garrison. So he is taking the credit for his son's victory, which is, I mean, Jonathan doesn't seem to care, but he is a feisty fighter. He is able, he's capable, and clearly he's a warrior. So we'll continue on in verse five. The Philistines mustered a mighty army of 3,000 chariots, 6,000 charioteers, and as many warriors as the grains of sand on the seashore. They camped at McMash, east of Bethaven. So here we have a huge force that they mustered up. They're all rising against the Israelites. In verse 6, the men of Israel saw what a tight spot they were in, and because they were hard-pressed by the enemy, they tried to hide in caves, thickets, rocks, holes, and cisterns. Some of them crossed the Jordan River and escaped into the land of Gad and Gilead. So they see this vast army and they, they freak out. They're terrified. They panic and they go into hiding. Rather than praying and trusting in their almighty God, they go into hiding. And we'll continue on um, with verse 7. Meanwhile, Saul stayed at Gilgal and his men were trembling with fear. Saul waited there seven days for Samuel, as Samuel had instructed him earlier. But Samuel didn't come. Saul realized that his troops were rapidly slipping away. So here he has panic setting in. Saul was told to just wait for Samuel. Wait on the word of God. But Samuel wasn't coming right on that seventh day. He wasn't there yet. He still hadn't showed up. So panic is setting in. The troops are getting restless. They're starting to, to leave because they're terrified. So he's in a state of what are we going to do? So in verse 9, it continues. So he demanded, bring me the burnt offering and the peace offerings. And Saul sacrificed the burnt offerings himself. So instead of waiting on God, Instead of trusting in God and God's perfect timing, he took it upon himself to 
offer up a sacrifice, a burnt offering to God himself. He's not a Levite. He wasn't supposed to be offering sacrifices and burnt offerings to God. It's supposed to be done by a Levitical priest, by Samuel. So he does this because he's impatient. He's terrified. He feels like he's in a tight spot and he can't wait on God anymore. And his pride comes to climax. He doesn't want his people to leave him or lose faith in him. So he caves in. He tries to manipulate God to work outside of how God designed things to work. And rather than waiting and trusting and having faith in God, he jumped the gun. He caved and and he sacrificed when he should have waited for Samuel. So then we have verse 10, just as Saul was finished with the burnt offering, Samuel arrived. Saul went over to meet and welcome him. So here, it wasn't that long. If he would have just waited a wee bit longer, Samuel would have been there. In verse 11, but Samuel said, what is this you have done? Saul replied, I saw my men scattering from thee, and you did arrive when you said you would, and the Philistines are at Mikmash ready for battle. So I said, the Philistines are ready to march against us at Gilgal, and I haven't even asked the Lord's for his help. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering myself before you cave came. So here he, he caved to the pressure. He disobeyed God's order and direction and, and acted on feelings rather than faith. He felt compelled to just do it rather than seeking God, praying and waiting on God's direction. In verse 13, How foolish, Samuel exclaimed. You have not kept the command the Lord God gave you. Had you kept it, the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom must end. For the Lord has sat out a man after his own heart. The Lord has already appointed him to be the leader of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. So he's he's foreshadowing to David there. Saul was after the heart of people. He really was more concerned about what people thought than God. We're, we'll see when we get to David that he had a heart after God. He wasn't perfect. You'll see when we get to him that he made mistakes. But he had a heart after God and God's will and design. And having a heart after God changes everything. And... um. We'll continue on in verse 15. Samuel then left Gilgal and went on his way, but the rest of the troops went with Saul to meet the army. They went up from Gilgal to Gibeah in the land of Benjamin. When Saul counted the men who were still with him, he found only 600 left. So he started with 2,000 with him, and he has dwindled down to 600. They, they left out of fear and terror. In verse 16, Saul and Jonathan and the troops with them were staying at Geba in the land of Benjamin. The Philistines set up their camp in Michmash. Three raiding parties soon left the camp of the Philistines. One went north to Oprah, the land of Shual. Another went west to Bethoron. And the third moved toward the border above the valley of Zeboim near the wilderness. There were no blacksmiths in the land of Israel in those days. The Philistines wouldn't allow them for fear that they would make swords and spears for the Hebrews. So whenever the Israelites needed to sharpen their plowshares, picks, axes, or sickles, they had to take them to a Philistine blacksmith. The charges were as follows. A quarter of an ounce of silver for sharpening the plowshark or, or a pick, and an eighth of an ounce for sharpening an axe or making the point of an ox goad. So on the day of the battle, none of the people of Israel had a sword or a spear except for Saul and Jonathan. 
The pass at Michmash had meanwhile been secured by a contingent of Philistine army. So here they're surrounded, and only Jonathan and Saul have swords. They're, they started out with 3,000 men between Jonathan and Saul. 1,000 went with Jonathan, 2,000 went with Saul. And Saul is left here with 600 men. 600 stayed with him out of fear and terror. The rest fled. They, they fled. And he didn't wait on God's perfect timing. God knows his perfect timing, and God has a plan. And God will bring forth his plan. And here we have Saul starting to spiral down into his departure from being king of Israel. It says, Samuel said, a new king is going to rise. Your term is going to end. And this is a failure. But we all face failures. We all make choices and we all make mistakes. Jonathan heard this news as well, that that he's not going to be the heir to the throne, that, that Saul isn't going to be king forever, that someone else is going to take over. But we'll see Jonathan, he's already determined that no matter what, he's going to have faith in God. He knows he won't be king, but he still chooses God. He still chooses to align with God and he still chooses to support and trust Samuel and God's word through Samuel. And we see that in, in our lives and in our choices, we might fail, we might make mistakes, but we can turn to God, we can run to God and we can cling to God in spite of those, in spite of those downfalls. Failure doesn't have to be the last word. God can have the last word. And failure does not guarantee more failure. Success doesn't guarantee success. We have choices. We have decisions along the way. Every single day we make decisions in our lives. And we can choose God. We can choose to trust in God's perfect timing. We can choose to to stand in faith in God and to trust that God has us, that God has a plan. And we can trust the almighty love of God in our lives. And we can trust that his plans are good, that he's almighty, that he's powerful, and he can do all things. So we'll continue on with Jonathan and Saul's story tomorrow, and we'll leave them surrounded by Philistines with only two swords and 600 men. We'll pick up from here tomorrow. Thanks, y'all.